Welcome to the Tech Bytes podcast from the Packet Pushers, sponsored today by Netscope. If you're assuming that IT is just going to go back to normal as employees return to the office, you may want to rethink that assumption. Just like the pandemic caused changes in user behavior and traffic patterns, the return to the office, whether it's full-time or hybrid, is going to create a new set of changes. Uh, we discuss what this might look like with our guest, Hansang Bei. He is field CTO at Netscope. Hansang, welcome to the podcast, and let's jump right in. Why do you expect things aren't just going to go back to normal for IT as more employees get back to the office? Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on here. My other interest besides technology and security, of course, is woodworking. And I watch a lot of YouTube videos on framing houses and building houses. And uh, I've managed to convince myself that I can actually build a house uh, <laughs> right now. Um, but having said that, the one lesson learned I, I took away was that all the builders have what's called a punch list. So a punch list is something that a day before they turn over the keys to the uh, owners, they go through the house, run around the house and do these little things that don't come into play from a structural or functional sense, but aesthetics, right? So light switches, make sure they're all leveled, make sure they're all covered. Uh, any nicks and dings and you know, paint touch-ups that they need to happen, any nails that are popped up, uh, cleaning, vacuuming, those little things that, again, have nothing to do with the functioning of the house, but to goes to user experience. And I thought about this, and, you know, a lot of your listeners are probably thinking, hey, Hansang, it worked 18 months ago when we left. It was hell. Infrastructure was choked at VPN, and we had to do split tunnel, and we had to do this, we had to do that, and all that fire drills over and done with. It worked before. When they come back, it's going to be fine. What's the big deal? And here's the big deal. The punch list. You need a punch list because things go static. When things are static, things break. Some quick hit and run examples I can give you. Make sure your firewall IDS, IPS, and proxies have been updated because if no one's been around, they may be sitting there waiting to be updated, which means in the case of some, in some infrastructures, not so much on the router or switch side, certainly on the access point side, you have to reboot them. So why not do that before your users show up, right? So there's an infrastructure-based punch list where you have to just run around and make sure everything's up to date. But there are some sneaky ones that are hanging out there that you may not have thought about. The one that comes to mind is global address books and global address list. So why does that matter? So it turns out that in most messaging platforms, Exchange comes to mind, you get a Delta address book every day and you subsume the address list. People leave, people go, people come, they get added. It's a small file that gets added, just a Delta file. But if you don't get an update for seven days in a row, for example, you download the entire address book. So for a large company, that could be over a hundred megabyte file that every user has to download. Okay, so even with, you know, one gig, two gig or four gig, 10 gig services, when you have hundreds of users downloading a hundred meg file each, uh, that can choke any network. Okay, and the other thing is, hey, Hansak, don't worry about it. All these laptops, we manage them remotely. We, we, we invested in remote tech, you know, maintaining of the laptops, et cetera, and, and all the address books, all the patches are up to date. Okay, great. What about all those PCs that the users are going to fire up? when they get back to the office. Those probably have been sitting dormant for quite some time. And if you have the luxury of Wake on LAN, technology that sort of kind of took off and never really became mainstream. So I don't know if you know many of the users can depend on it. When those PCs light up for the first time in maybe 18 months, 
not only are you going to have massive Windows updates, massive Mac updates, <laughs> but you're also going to have address books and they all kick off in a randomized fashion within the first hour. So do the math, folks. If you have a thousand user campus location and you have 60 minutes to randomize it, that's not a whole lot of slots and you're going to face a con total congestion of the network, right? Absolutely. I, that's actually something I hadn't considered is that first day back when a whole bunch of people are turning on their desktops and all of a sudden it's like, hey, Windows has to spend the next hour downloading updates. That's productivity right out the window. Absolutely. And not to mention the deluge of phone calls to the help desk with what kind of call? Hey, the network is slow. <laughs> right. And, and, and here's another thing. Here's another beauty that your uh, network folks should be aware of. Every antivirus, when you first fire up, says, hey, a scan hasn't been run in an year. I'm going to do a full scan and the CPU is going to spike and everything on that computer is going to suck. Your voice over IP application will absolutely suck, not because the network is bad, but because the CPU cycles are all going to a full scan that every antivirus will uh, be doing. Not only that, but the entire PC slows down. From, so from an end user perspective, here comes the, the network is slow. How slow? I don't know. It's just slow. Where is it slow? Everything is slow. We've all gone through those um, help desk tickets and triage. So make sure you give your help desk uh, folks some heads up on how to triage these types of phone calls because they're inevitable. So those are some of the technical issues, uh, sort of the technical housekeeping things. Do you anticipate kind of behavioral changes from users too? I'm thinking like... You know, everybody's used to being on Zoom. Maybe instead of trying to get a conference room, we'll just do Zoom calls. And what does that mean for your network uh, in the office? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I used to work in New York City, um, down in Greenwich Village, I had a coffee cart. It was my guy. So there were 10 coffee carts in front of the building, you know, tens of thousands of users going in and out of this uh, office. And every morning, I dutifully went to my coffee cart guy. And he had my coffee just the way I like it, my donut that my wife doesn't know about that I had for <laughs> 10 years every day. And I went there because it was a habit, right? We are creatures of habit. And the problem with that is that once you get used to something, it's very hard to go back. Um, if you ever had got a, you know, fortunate enough to get an upgrade to business class, man, that first time back at coach, it sucks even more, right? Because you get used to what you get used to. So the reason why I bring this up is because we used to live in a world right? Not too long ago where you brought stuff, you brought your laptop to work so you can download things because it was much faster. Now, we absolutely live in a world for your vast majority of your listeners where they save the full, you know, big file downloads if, until they get home because we have gigabit, 500 megabit, 400 megabit, you know, services that's all to yourself. So, you, everybody had to do split tunnels and direct internet out of necessity, maybe at the risk of a little bit more exposure. You know, those Zooms, even though they're about one and a half to two megabit continuous, being back all through VPN made no sense. So a lot of people said, you know what, Zoom, WebEx, just Teams calls, just go direct to internet. And they got used to that, right? They got used to that that video, the audio, the lack of glitchiness, et cetera. And now they're all going to come back to the campus and they're going to do exactly what you just said. Hey, the, the meeting location is, you know, upstairs. Eh, I don't want to go. I'll just do it from, from my desktop. And that's going to be taxing to your internet and firewall choke points. And people are going to complain again. 
because they got used to that direct internet from their, you know, gigabit type services at home. So it's nothing you can do other than set the expectation when the users come back and have, and that's all you have to do is set the expectation and people will know, oh, okay, I don't have to complain about every last thing and certainly let your help desk know so that they can triage that, those problems as well. Well, Hansang, there's got to be something we can do, right? In, in other words, we're coming back to an infrastructure that we built, we've got some familiarity with, and the way we were talking about it earlier, we're kind of taking it out of out of mothballs. We're bringing it back. Oh, everybody wake up, you know, hey, PCs, you know, flex, and uh, let's get ready and get back to doing some work. Uh, and so what I mean is got to be something we can do. There is insight about the infrastructure we can gain, right? Some kind of visibility, context about what's going on so that as these hopefully temporary issues come up, we can diagnose correctly and make the changes we need to uh, to facilitate getting back into the office and having things work well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it takes a little bit of effort and hence why we're having this talk, right? Because uh, give your users a heads up on, on planning. Some tactical things to think about. So you can contact your messaging um, company, the, the software that you use, they all have a certain port uh, and certain, you know, it'll all be encrypted, but it'll have um, a, a VIP. If you're using a VIP, you probably are. If not, you'll have a, a particular server where address books come down. Start your quality of service to put those in kind of a bulk, you know, garbage collection type queues so that it doesn't impact. If you have the ability to bypass WebEx and um, Zoom type calls through your IPS IDS, and you so in other words, try to limit the latency as much as possible while it's going through your security stack, see if you can do that. Um, and, and these are some of the, th and make sure that users know that, hey, for the first six, four hours or so, your computer may be slow just because it's updating. So please don't call us, wait at least till, you know, the afternoon before you do that. So these are some of the tactical things that we can do, but you had better jump on it now, because as we know, rolling out TOS changes isn't for the faint of heart. And uh, it's easy if you have five routers, right? The problem is if you have hundreds and thousands of routers, then you really need to get on the ball now. Well, the sad but thing again, is it's not even easy if you've got five routers, because get to get that well, profile right yeah. out of the gate is tough. And then, yeah. right, and if you do have thousands of devices to roll it out across, it's, uh, it becomes a big deal, even once you do lock in that policy. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, TOS is, um, I hate it. I think it's a failed technology. <laughs> it's, um, and if somebody tells you, and I've jokingly said this, but I'm not joking. If somebody says, oh, no, no, my QoS is good. Either you're delusional or you're lying. Um, or you don't know what the hell you're doing. Uh, and that's how bad of a technology QoS is. And the fundamental problem is you as a network guy, you're in charge of that plumbing, the pipe. How do you know what's business critical? Right? And every, every, application owner, every business unit leader will say, my app is important. Make sure I get top billing. And you have 50 of those people all telling you they're business critical. And so guess what? Your business critical is no longer business critical. So again, I think, you know, we, I don't want to go off on a rant on quality of service, uh, but certainly on the security side, things, uh, PC patching, you know, get ahead of that because just don't be lulled into safety thinking it worked a year ago. Everything's going to be fine when we light it up. And it won't.
So what about the fact that a lot of folks will be in a hybrid environment where sometimes they're in the office, sometimes they're at home, uh, and if they've got a help desk issue, how can the help desk get that context to know, oh, I'm working with somebody who's on a home broadband versus somebody who's in the office? Yeah, one good way to do that is um, if they're a Chrome user, there's actually a treasure trove of debug log that you can get uh, remotely from Chrome browser users, right? Because it may be just a bad Wi-Fi experience, nothing else. And if you haven't invested in end user experience monitoring, and this again, these are things that if you've invested in that, you're kind of set because you can quickly say, oh, your CPU is really, really high because it's updating or it's running a full scan. Please wait for an hour and call us back. Um, but if you haven't, you have some logs that you can depend on. And if nothing else, you know, if you have no other tools at your disposal, have some batch files or just, you know, clickable icons available for the users that, for example, query an internal only DNS name. And if they can't query it, guess what? They're not VPNed in, they're going direct to internet. So if they call about, I can't access this application and they can't resolve that name, then you know the help desk can say, oh, it looks like you're not using VPN, please turn on your VPN, et cetera, right? So when people come and go back and forth, if that VPN experience isn't seamless, then people will forget, right? Because they'll just take the laptop home and they've been out of that, that, routine of when I come home, these are the things that I must do to connect to the network. And that's where the problem is that technology is waiting. It's just that user behavior has changed and they may not know to turn, you know, the VPN on or, or zero trust. If you've invested in zero trust, you should be all set. But if you're, um, if you're still counting on the traditional VPN, uh, user training may be required to turn it off and turn it back on. So we've mentioned VPN, we've talked about, you know, those AV updates, firewall updates. Are there other security issues or does the risk posture change a bit with folks moving now so seamlessly between home and office in ways that uh, IT may not have anticipated? Yeah, I think it comes down to um, ultimately the best solution is you need a guardian angel to follow every user, right? And kind of watch over them and say, hey, do you really want to do that? Do you really want to put this PII data or this HIPAA data or this HR data on a world readable uh, file share, for example? So if you have the ability to have um, a security product that can coach users in real time as they upload or download, um, you need to invest in those technologies because, again, when you're hybrid, we're, you know, it, all, everything points to hybrid is the new normal. So you need to be that frictionless IT, right? And what, I mean, what do I mean by frictionless IT? As technologists, we think, oh, this is easy. How can you not know how to do X, Y, Z? And I will tell you that having tried to troubleshoot a family member's TV over like FaceTime videos, uh, conferencing over the phone, it's, it can be maddeningly hard to guide somebody who's not tech, tech savvy over the phone, right? So again, you know, investing in technology now, not only for the end user experience, of course, you know, the, the uh, computer management, et cetera, but also security that follows the user and understands the context. So you can say, oh, you know what? I'm going to give you zero trust because you're offsite. Oh, you're on site. You don't need zero trust. Go right ahead and use the uh, network. I'm not going to scan for this file because I see you're on-prem. But if you're off-prem, oh, I'm going to make sure that DLP kicks in to protect the end user, right? So make sure that technology you choose 
is going to provide that frictionless IT experience for your users. And maybe more importantly, so that you won't get that, oh, the network doesn't work, network is slow calls. Got it. Well, that does bring us to the end of the conversation. And I hope that there are folks out there scrambling to make lists uh, to get their punch list together, hopefully not while they're driving. But uh, thank you, Hansong, for this information. Uh, if folks want to find out more about Netscope and maybe follow you, if you've got a blog or a Twitter, where would they go? Yeah, if um, for this specific punch list, I've written something up, um, again, so you don't have to do it while you're driving, is netscope.com slash packet pushers. Uh, that's the URL, simple enough. And when you go there, you'll see my punch list and a little bit more detail. I, 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 you know, for the sake of brevity, I left out some other ones. Uh, so make sure you check out netscope.com slash packet pushers for the entire punch list. And if you have additional ones, contact me and maybe we can start um, a groupware type list that everybody can contribute to. Fantastic. That's netscope.com slash packet pushers and Netscope with a K, not a C, just so you know. Yeah, uh, right. Thank you, Hansong, uh, for your time. And thanks to Netscope for being a sponsor. And thank you for being a listener. If you like this show, you can find it and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>